We are delighted to welcome back to the program. We spoke to him last year. We're absolutely wrapped that uh, we didn't annoy him so much that he's uh, answered our phone call again. Uh, writer for Niners Nation, Jordan Elliott joins us deep in the winter um, up there as we're basking in sun, but he's basking in the glory of covering the NFL and the playoffs. He must be in his happy place. Welcome back to ECNZ, Jordan. Lovely to, lovely to have you back. Oh, thanks for having me back. I can't believe a year's gone by so quickly, but it's always a pleasure coming on. Wild card round was wild, right? What was what was the wildest part of last weekend? Um, you know, I th- it has to be the Jaguars coming back from twenty-seven to zero. That's just such a rare um, feat in the NFL. It's something that you don't see happen even in regular season games, but to have it happen in a postseason game on that stage is absolutely unheard of. And the way they were able to come back at the end, uh, the, you know, very gutsy decision by the head coach to go for two, um, to set them up to get that game-winning field goal and win by one point, um, you, you couldn't have scripted it any better. So I would say definitely the 27-point comeback was probably the most exciting thing. But um, it, it was a full weekend full of exciting moments. So it wasn't a clear-cut winner as it normally would have been, but I, I would have to lean that way. Yeah, absolutely. Have any Chargers fans come out from the, the bunker after that that loss? You know, I have a couple friends who are Chargers fans, and I hate to say they have just been so – they've dealt with stuff like this, maybe not to that magnitude, but they've dealt with so much yeah. disappointment over the years that there, there wasn't much left uh, left for them to feel at that point. The emotion's gone out the window in years past, so I think they just they just kind of expected it at this point, and that's almost even more <laughs> disappointing for them is that it uh, – there wasn't much hope left to break for them because they've already felt so low in previous years. They're not called the Chargers because um, the fans charge them for all the psychological help they need after watching watching them year in, year out. I'll tell you what, anybody who's a therapist in the greater Los Angeles area is probably making quite a, quite a fortune these last few days because, because of the trauma they put those fans through. So I, I think you're onto something there. <laughs> Yeah, because he's had such an extraordinary career and he's playing at such an extraordinary age and such an extraordinary position, I have to ask a question about Tom Brady, even though his side is not playing this weekend. Uh, what's the latest with him? Will he go again? Will he not? Um, even though a retirement could change 90 minutes after, after all. You know, I, I think until we see him on the sidelines for at least a full season, I'm going to assume he's going to come back and keep playing. I think that he... He himself on an individual level was still playing at a high level this season. I don't think he had the pieces around him that have typically produced the success we've seen from him in the past. He didn't really have a ton of time to draw back and throw, and they didn't really have uh, much of a running game in Tampa Bay. So I think in the right situation, he's still somebody that can produce at a high level and lead a team to a championship, despite the fact that he will be 46 years old next season. Um, you know, the rumor is that uh, Las Vegas, the Raiders, are pushing hard to try to bring him in. So that's definitely something to watch. I don't think he'll be back with Tampa Bay, but until I see otherwise, I'm just going to assume the guy's going to keep playing until he's 50, 60, however many years old, because it seems like he's the one athlete that uh, is keeping father time at bay for now and, uh, you know, miraculously playing into his late 40s, which is just absolutely unheard of. It's it's amazing, isn't it? I'm with you. I'd love to see him go. I, you know, just out of sheer sort of fascination, uh, how long someone can play that position for at, at a reasonably high level. Absolutely. Like I, the way I'm looking at it now, like it's very reasonable to expect he could make it to 50. And to think about somebody playing in such a you know violent physical sport 
at the age of 50 and continue to do it at a high level, I think that's something that would be unprecedented that we probably would never see again in our lifetime. So I'm kind of rooting for it on the side personally, just, just for the pure spectacle of it, because I'm with you. It's, yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal to see. All right. Um, as far as, as far as last question about last week, who's the one team that you're absolutely staggered surprised aren't in the divisional round? Um, you know, I would say probably the Chargers just because I, especially given the fact they had that lead, I thought they were a more talented team. I thought they were a more experienced team. So I would say probably the Chargers are the team that I'm a little bit surprised. Minnesota had a good record, but I think they were a team where the, the record looked much better than the actual product. So the one that surprised me the most was definitely the Chargers. And then that surprise increased tenfold when they had a you know 27-point lead that they managed to blow in the second half. So I'd definitely say the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, so with that in mind, after that extraordinary comeback from uh, the Jags uh, to win 31 points to 30, they now take on the Chiefs, who, boy, oh, boy, they, um, they've got so much firepower. The man um, at the huddle, of course, uh, Mahomes, is the key man. But this side, 14-3 and three throughout the season, the Chiefs. How big a task uh, for the Jags? Is it one that you give them a faint chance, a, a great chance? How, how is that matchup looking in your eyes? You know, I think it's a situation where nobody's really expecting them to win, and it's one of those things where they might have a chance simply because the pressure is all on the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I believe, last time I looked, I think they were an eight-point favorite, which is a very large spread in an NFL playoff game. Um, most people, if not all, are picking the Chiefs to win this one. So I think the chance that the Jags have is simply that they can come in and probably play a little bit looser knowing that they don't have the expectations and they aren't. nobody really expects them to win this game, so they don't have the weight of the expectations on their shoulders the same way the Chiefs do. I'd be extremely surprised if they did win. But the beauty of the NFL is that, you know, they always say any given Sunday um, and uh, – there's so many times we see the unexpected where the team that isn't given a chance manages to, you know, come back and find a way to win. And I think if you're the Jaguars, uh, you you know, you just came back from that 27 point deficit last week. So you maybe have a little bit more belief in yourself and you don't really buy into all the doubt and all the people that are picking the chiefs to win this one. But uh, I'd be very surprised if Kansas City didn't come away victorious in this one. Yeah. The line I'm looking at has the, in fact, a nine-point spread. So it's blown out even further since you've last uh, checked, Jordan. But to, to the uninitiated in New Zealand, please explain um, Patrick Mahomes and, and what he is all about and some of the numbers he's raked up. Um, you know, I'm, you know, crude numbers here. In, in five, five years as a starter in the regular season, he's close to 200 touchdowns already in five seasons. That's mind-blowing. Absolutely. He's only been in, you know, a start, as you mentioned, for five seasons. And I think he's already firmly placed himself in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time from a pure uh, <laughs> talent standpoint and from an ability standpoint, which is remarkable. You know, we're, we're talking about Tom Brady in his 23rd season with the seven Super Bowls, but Mahomes is on a trajectory where he could be the clear cut greatest of all time um, before he's done playing. And it's just remarkable to see the things that he does week in and week out. Uh, you know, I've, I've been watching the NFL for 
25 years, and he's the greatest player I've ever seen, bar none. Uh, Just the things that he's able to do week in and week out and uh, the angles that he's throwing some of these balls, the way he's able to, uh, you know, escape pressure, um, launch the ball 60 yards downfield on a rope and do a tight window to a receiver. Um, He's a a magician on the field. Like, I struggle to find the superlatives to describe the way he plays, but he's somebody – um, very early in his career, who's already basically uh, placed himself in a Hall of Fame caliber level of talent and uh, is on that trajectory to be the greatest player to ever play, which is just, again, remarkable when you think about how many great players have been in the NFL. And this guy's in year five, and he's already placed himself in that discussion. Yeah, again, just providing more context for the New Zealand listeners. Um, you know, before his age 30 season, he's on a path to pass Joe Montana for career touchdown passes. Before the age of 30. That would put him, you know, in the top 20 already. And the kid's not even 30. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And he's one of those guys where, you know, um, a couple of years ago when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2019, they were down 24 to 0 in a playoff game and they managed to win that game by double digits. They came storming back <laughs> and you never feel like you're out of a game. And if you're a team playing him, you never feel like any lead is safe. You could be up 40 points and you'd still be sweating on the sideline watching that clock go down to zero because you know that he's capable of pulling off the spectacular. Yeah, I, I always have a good chuckle to myself when uh, I pull up his stats page and I see drafted 10th overall and I'm wondering how, ma- how many scouting directors have been sacked since the 2017 NFL draft. Oh, absolutely. And I think he's a great example of how hard it is to really, uh, you know, evaluate and uh, look at these guys in college and then evaluate how they're going to translate to the NFL level. Um, And it's so funny because you hear now a lot of stories of coaches and executives talking about how, well, we really liked him and we wanted to draft him and we were looking (laughs) to get him. And it sounds great now, but, you know, only one team really did. Anybody could say it in hindsight, right? So it's always funny to me to hear that how all of a sudden everybody really liked Patrick Mahomes, but as you mentioned, uh, nine people were drafted before him, and you know you'd be, you couldn't really make an argument that any of the nine that were taken before him have ended up having a bigger impact than he has. Okay, so what did the Jags have to do um, to cause a monumental upset? I, I think both you and I think they're not going to do it, but you know, um, if there are any Jags fans listening, give them hope. You know, I think the biggest thing with football is that turnovers are always the ultimate equalizer. And if you're able to create a couple turnovers, and uh, especially in a short area of the field, if you're able to get a team to turn the ball over on their side of the field and create scoring opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have, um, it can make even uh, the strongest of teams like the Chiefs vulnerable to an upset like that. So I think the, the main thing is that the, the Jaguars have to take care of the football one of the things that was miraculous with their 27-point comeback was they had five turnovers themselves, and they didn't generate any turnovers, and they still won that game. I don't think there's any possibility of that happening against the Chiefs this week. So they're going to have to take care of the football themselves and uh, be opportunistic on defense and find some ways to create some turnovers, uh, send some pressure looks at Patrick Mahomes that maybe gives him an unfavorable matchup where he's throwing a ball into traffic and you can get your hands on it, tip it in the air, get an interception. Uh, but I, I would struggle to see them pulling out this win if all things are equal across the board. So the turnovers, to me, would be the great equalizer that will give them a chance to pull off this upset. All right, so the winner of that game uh, goes through to meet the winner of the Bengals up against the Bills. So if I looked at just their regular season record, uh, what the, the Bengals 12-4, and four, 
Uh, the Bills 13-3, and three, but the Bills are at home now, aren't they? And probably will start a reasonably strong favourite, am I not mistaken? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it, it should be a great game, but going to Buffalo, especially this time of year, is uh, it, it's a very difficult task for the road team. Uh, Bills fans are very passionate, very loud. Um, they're going to come and they're going to bring energy. They're going to bring noise. And uh, when you're in upstate New York like that, the temperature can get dropped very quickly. Um, I haven't looked at the forecast for the game, but I imagine it's going to be reasonably cold. So that always adds an extra element to things uh, this time of year. But, uh, you know, the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that group of skill position players are very talented themselves. So I expect it to be, a, you know, a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points on the board. And uh, I think that's going to be one of the better matchups in the entire playoffs, not just this weekend. So I'm very excited to see that game. Okay, elaborate on that. What, what, why are you so excited about that matchup specifically? Absolutely. So um, I think just with the, with the quarterback play, that's where everything starts in the NFL for me um, what, when you're talking about excitement and matchups and uh, when the stage is this high. Uh, Joe Burrow was in the Super Bowl last year. He's one of the young up-and-coming stars in the league. And then you have Josh Allen, who's, you know, six foot five, 250 pounds, not only has this rocket for an arm, but also can run with the football, um, bowls over defenders uh, when he does get used as an option in the running game. So you have two of the most talented uh, quarterbacks in the entire league going head-to-head, but the teams in general are very complete. They both have solid defenses. They both have really talented uh, skill position players, the receivers, the running backs on both sides. And I think any time you can get two teams that are this talented and this evenly matched, it typically will create – um, a much better matchup and a much better product overall. So I think just when you look at the collection of talent on both sides and uh, the, the just absolute star power you have at quarterback on both sides, it should create uh, one of the more favorable matchups for fans to enjoy throughout this postseason. I, I, I'll do you a favor, Jordan. I'll read you the, the latest forecast for upstate New York. I've always wanted to say that, upstate New York and Buffalo. Uh, cloudy with snow developing during the afternoon. Temperatures are nearly steady in the mid-afternoon, 30s. Winds east-southeast, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Chance of snow, 80%. Snowfall around one inch. Oh, well, the, the snow always adds an extra element to things. I'm a big fan of snow games myself because I think it adds an, uh, an added layer of... Uh, of uncertainty. It makes it a little bit harder to run. It makes it a little bit harder for these guys to find their footing. Um, I, I always love when, uh, when mother nature adds an extra uh, variable to the equation. So I hope we get a nice snow game in Buffalo because those end up usually being uh, classic matchups in my eyes. And, and don't be fooled New Zealand listeners. 30 degrees is not 30 degrees. It's minus one. It's minus one in our terms. That's cold. It's damn cold. All right, so that's uh, one side of the equation. Let's go to the uh, NFC where the Giants up against the Eagles. Um, a great rivalry, isn't it, um, of yesteryear. Um, I, I pointed out at the top that the Giants haven't been in this position all that often over the last decade. But the, the, the two fairly passionate fan bases, but what Philly should run away with this, won't they at home? You know, I, it, on paper, I could definitely see what, how that would be, um, you know, the, the presumption in this one. And they very well could. Uh, in one of their two meetings this year, they blew the doors off the Giants. It, it wasn't a close game at all. But uh, I think one of the great things about the, the matchups between divisional opponents in the playoffs is that the two teams are very familiar with one another, uh, which leaves a lot less room for surprise and typically leads to a closer game. 
We saw there were three um, divisional games in the wild card round. And even though the score to the 49ers Seahawks game ended up being a little bit lopsided, it was a close game for the first three quarters. And the other two games were one score games uh, themselves. So I think anytime you have a divisional matchup, even if one side is more talented than the other, typically the results are going to end up being closer just because there's so much familiarity. And I think this Giants team is kind of in that same boat as the Jaguars where everybody's kind of counting them out. They already won a playoff game. They're kind of ahead of schedule with the rebuild they were going through. So they can kind of come in and play loose, whereas Philadelphia is the one seed. They're the team that has home field advantage. There's a little bit more pressure on their side. So I actually expect it to be a pretty close game. I would have, I really feel like Philadelphia will win. They should win the game. But I think it might be much closer than the betting lines and the public perception would indicate. All right. 49ers, Cowboys. Um, of course, you were very close to uh, ni- the Niners uh, Worlds, working for Niners Nation, of course. This is, you know, talk about storied franchises in the NFL. Um, I-, I can see why the cheapest ticket available at the moment is about 585 New Zealand dollars. That's right, listen, 585 New Zealand dollars if you is the cheapest ticket you can get to this game. Uh, and what probably should be, or arguably could be the closest game of the round, would I be right in thinking that? I think you're absolutely right in thinking that. I think this is going to be the best game of the round. Uh, there's just so many tantalizing storylines in this one. As you mentioned, two of the most storied franchises in the history of the league that have a long-standing rivalry that was dormant for a little bit, but has been reignited. Yep. They both met in the playoffs last season. Uh, there's obviously the great, you know, uh, rivalry back with Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman and Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. And, uh, you know, this was the defining rivalry in the sport in the 80s and 90s. So I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of bad blood on both sides of the fan bases where uh, th- th- this is probably the most hated side for each team in terms of rivals that they want to see their own team beat. Um, and when you just look at the product on the field, the Cowboys are a tremendously talented team. They have a great defense. Uh, Dak Prescott looks like he's found his footing after a rough couple of weeks. He was fantastic against Tampa Bay. Um, and then with the 49ers, they've won 10 games in a row. Uh, Brock Purdy, the unsung hero of the season, is continuing his, uh, his rapid ascension to stardom here in, uh, in the Bay Area and uh, with 49ers fans worldwide. So I'm with you 100%. I think this will end up being the closest game, and I think we're due for, uh, for a classic matchup that we'll be talking about for many years to come. Brock Purdy, what a, that's a Hall of Fame name, Brock Purdy. Do Brock Purdy's men get the job done? I want you to stick your neck out, um, you know, uh, foreshadow what happens. How does this play, uh, game play out as far as you're concerned, Jordan? We'll, then we'll let you go. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be a close game throughout, but I do think that the 49ers will ultimately find a way to pull away at the end. Um, as of the, this morning when I checked, they were a four-point favorite, and I think that kind of falls in line with where I see the score falling. Um, I think it'll be somewhere along the lines of 31 to 27, somewhere in that range. I think points will be put on the board, and uh, you know, for anyone betting, the over is 46. So I'm a little bit more inclined to take the over there, but both teams have good defenses, so who knows. But uh, I think the 49ers end up pulling out a close one at the end, and uh, hope, maybe it's a Brock Purdy drive that he leads towards the end, and his, uh, his Hall of Fame name gets even more, uh, more recognition <laughs> worldwide. He continues to grow the legend that he's been building this year. The legend of Brock Purdy. Got movie written all over it. Hey, Jordan, thanks so much, mate. Wonderful stuff. Uh, enjoy what is always a truly fascinating uh, weekend uh, and round in the NFL. Thanks so much. Great uh, of you to drop the knowledge on us. 
thank you so much. It's always an honor to come on, and I really appreciate it. It's great catching up with you guys. Jordan Elliott, uh, writer for the Niners Nation, talking NFL with us.